weeks back, I mentioned the questions I'm most often asked regarding the end times, the events that will precede the return of the Lord. We call them the critical musts. Debates most often pivot on rapture and church. We addressed the rapture a few weeks back, but today we want to examine the scriptures that speak of the whereabouts of the church and just who are these tribulation saints? What in the world are they doing on the earth during such a crisis? Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the program today. We're going to offer up some scripture and commentary today that I I believe will provide some answers. First, let's take a quick look-see at Revelation chapter 12. A lot of heavenly and earthly information here. Neatly couched between the two witnesses in the seventh trumpet of chapter 11 and the introduction of the Antichrist in chapter 13. I'd say we might pay close attention to this abundance of prophecy. In chapter 12, we're given an advanced look at cosmic geography. Then in verse 11, the apostle John sees Satan, the accuser of the brethren, cast from heaven for his final tenure on the earth, along with notable warnings that he's coming with great wrath because he knows he has a short time. But we believe the final few verses of chapter 12 give us some very important information about this cosmic shift to the earth, the the forces of darkness, and, and who will be where, doing what, and when. Let's read Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. Now, when the dragon, Satan, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman, those are the Jews, who gave birth to the male child, Jesus. Verse 14. And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she's nourished for a time, times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. Some symbolic language here, showing Israel will have divine guidance on where to find refuge for a specific period of time, three and a half years. That's the time of Jacob's trouble. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Again, we got some symbolic language pointing to Satan's no-holds-barred determination to finally destroy this covenant people from the face of the earth. Verse 16, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Ah, something important here. Not everyone is on board with what the Antichrist is doing here. Some people groups are helping Jews, but we strongly suggest these nations will be biblically ill-equipped to communicate the prophecies of the Jewish prophets. Verse 17, And the dragon, that's Satan, was enraged with the woman, the Jewish population as a whole, and and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, just who is alive and well on planet Earth after airplanes have fallen from the sky, vehicles all over the world have created Earth's greatest traffic jam, and probably millions have died? Who will serve as the voice of the Holy Spirit on earth after the church has been allegedly removed from the earth in a secret rapture? 
See, the question is, are these tribulation saints, as they're called, recent survivors who've come to know Jesus post-haste after the witness of the rapture? Are they newly minted earth dwellers who are now having to navigate a satanically driven great tribulation all the while with, with no Bibles, no Bible schools, no churches, no discipleship, really no nothing? Are these new believers now tasked with being the prophetic voice to Jews who are running for their lives from the Antichrist? Or, or might this be an end-time church, a company of believers who have been busy preparing their hearts and lives for this 42 months of chaos? A church ministering in signs and wonders, perhaps in the same time period of the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11, just a short chapter back. Apocalyptic evangelism, millions entering the kingdom while undergoing great duress, imprisonment, even martyrdom, laying down their lives for one another. And for Jewish survivors, the objects of destruction by the Antichrist in the earth's seventh and final empire. You know, I've talked about that in a previous episode. It's called An Update on a Revelation Riddle. Check it out. Beloved, I'm afraid the questions that uh, we've been asking here are the least considered inquiries in the 21st century church. The body of believers who are mandated to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the world and the principalities, powers, rulers, thrones, and authorities of the air make known to the world the season we're in and how to prepare our hearts for such a time as this. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. Listen to this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. My friends, this is a time when our seemingly secure categories are going to be literally shattered. I believe it'll take a, a martyr witness of the Tribulation Church to prepare a surviving Jewish remnant for a worldwide lifting of a veil that has been draped over their collective eyes for the past two millennia. The powers of the air have held, from their view, the wrong side of a beautiful tapestry. Ever looked at the wrong side of a tapestry? You know, the blurry side, the, the side that's very unclear and indistinct? We believe that tapestry will be lifted and turned by a Gentile church, allowing an entire nation to see clearly now. You know, there should be a song with that title. Anyhow, listen, Israel will have in their view a clear, distinct sight into a tapestry, an indescribable mosaic presentation of their Jewish Messiah for which they have so longed for. This is not just about God's appointed time, but it's most importantly concerning the end-time church that will have been brought to its appointed completion, the fullness of the Gentiles, as the Bible calls it. It's the vindication of God's end-time purpose that Israel be made jealous through a largely Gentile church. You know, the foolish nation of Scripture. So let's introduce this foolish nation. 
Lo and behold, the introduction comes from Moses, the song of Moses, way back in Deuteronomy chapter 32. The great prophet was giving the people an earful of what they will become in the distant future when God says in verse 20, I'll hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they're a perverse generation, God says. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They've moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those that are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. That foolish nation is nearly always a reference to Gentiles. In verse 43, we're told, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He'll provide atonement for his land and his people. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 64 saw the future destruction of the holy cities. Listen to verse 11. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praised you, is burned up with fire and and all the pleasant things are laid waste, leading right to Isaiah 65.1. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Gentiles grafted into the Holy Covenant at the death and resurrection of Jesus. Again, the prophet Isaiah 28, Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breasts? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Isaiah says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Here the Gentile nations, that's the church, are warning Jews of this coming deception by the Antichrist, witnessing to the Jews, pouring into the land from all over the world at the the sight of this unprecedented, recently inaugurated peace offered by their former hostile Arab neighbors. All those nations coming to recognize Israel's holy covenant, animal sacrifices, uh, the beginnings of a new temple on Temple Mount, unprecedented activities and events that were not seen since the first return under the leadership of Zerubbabel. This is why there's a church on the earth with all hands on deck, functioning, fully functioning in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, a mostly Gentile assembly, a voice of warning to a deceived Israel. Shouting from the rooftops, the devil has come down to you to destroy you from the face of the earth. An abominable deception launched by this man of sin, the Antichrist. The very thing the Apostle Paul addressed in Romans 11.11. I say then, have they, Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their trespass to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, now here's a very important question. Can you think of a time in the past 2,000 years the Gentile church has ever made Jews jealous? Nope, and neither can I. What church has the presumptuous right to say, yes, but we're, we're not going to be here? Uh, 
The task you mentioned will be carried out by tribulation saints who've, who've missed the rapture, who've come to believe in a very short period of time they need a significant download of prophetic information from God, that they must explain to fleeing Jews the events of Jacob's trouble. Do we have any right to disregard the words of Hebrew prophets and negate the word of the Lord? that there is somehow a, a, a new theory on, on the end times, that there's a new revelation that's less than 200 years old, that shows the church, the seasoned body of believers who have a history with God, will not be here on the earth in this time of crisis, that they've been removed into the presence of God seven years earlier. No, this will be a company of Holy Spirit-filled prophetic masculine, the wise, the people of understanding who will be instructing many. Read it, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. In short, those on the earth who take the mark, the mark of the beast, and reject Jesus will join with the Antichrist in his short-lived effort to destroy the Jewish people. But... A company of people, a people who know their God, have read and understand the Hebrew prophets, the words of Jesus and the apostles. They'll be moving in the miraculous, bringing to those who will listen understanding of what's about to take place on the coming great day and terrible day, the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are your church. We're the people of understanding. You tell us through your prophets, we'll be here, and your word makes it clear why. So, so Father, I ask you to bring a, a unity to the church. It's your church, a oneness, a people of understanding, that we, the body of Christ, would prepare now to be the concluding Gentile witness to the people of your holy covenant. Your word is clear, Father. You're, you're returning for one new man, Jew and Gentile. A Jew and a Gentile who will function in your kingdom in a new Jerusalem. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. So much to come. So many good things, Father. And we want to be right smack in the middle of all of them. We ask all these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Subscribe to the podcast, beloved, and Maranatha. I'm Bill Nordstrom. <laughs>